Good afternoon, church. This is uh, Zelda Sean from NBC. Hope everything, everybody is uh, fixing their eyes on Christ during these times. I, as you guys know, I um, I preached this sermon yesterday. It never went through live. It was on the cure for anxiety. And this morning, God placed on my heart to to preach something else—a a brief sermon, maybe 25, 30 minutes, I believe, about more about salvation from God's perspective. I think it would be a very encouraging sermon for us during this time. The Bible says in Colossians 3.2, Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Or some trans, another translation says, uh, Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. So that's what I'm hoping that this sermon will help us to fix our, our eyes on our eternal hope. That is, the passage is from Romans 8. Romans 8, so if, you, if you're listening right now, if, if you want, you can get your Bibles out, please, to Romans 8, and it will be Romans 8, 29 through 30. Romans 8, 29 through 30. The title of this sermon is The Golden Chain of Salvation, or The Golden Chain of Redemption. So has anyone ever heard, has anyone been part of a surprise party? Has anyone been part of a surprise party? One thing about surprise parties is that the recipients don't know how all the details of what is going into the plant. They simply enjoy themselves and usually are very grateful, but they rarely know what has been prepared for them by people who love them. Many of you guys uh, can resonate with that if you've ever been part of a surprise party. We too did not know, as Christians, we did not know all that went into our salvation at the moment we were saved. We will never comprehend all the details that God prepared for us. But today, today God will show us through this passage what He did and what He's doing and will do for His children in regards to salvation, church. The purpose of this letter is uniting Jewish, as we know through our study so far, is to unite the Jewish and Gentile Christians in Rome in the gospel. So we go to this, this passage this morning with that in mind. Friends, today's passage from Romans 8, again, it's a very powerful and encouraging chapter of the Bible, so much that some theologians call this, this chapter the Great Eight. Amen? And we know that we're memorizing uh, Romans 8. For that reason, it is such a powerful and encouraging chapter. and It's amazing with God's providence that He would have us in Romans and in that memory verse, um, you know, during that, that passage for memory verse during this time that we're going through with the coronavirus, right? Hopefully it's been very encouraging for you guys that are working on that uh, the memory verse. Stay diligent. I know there's a lot going on right now and a lot of temptation to... Stray away from our mentorship program, but stay focused. I encourage everyone to stay focused and get that memory verse in there. So, Romans 8. The great 8. Chapter 8 is the great 8. But I will be preaching on 29 and 30, a declaration of God's sovereignty and salvation. I think it's very important for us to be reminded, church, of God's sovereignty. God's full sovereignty during this time. So the Bible talks about salvation in three ways. We are saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. Some theologians call that the already not yet. You might have heard of that, the already not yet 
um, reality of our Christian experience. And this passage will give us an explanation of how that happens. Now what's exciting about this passage is it gives us a behind-the-scenes look at salvation. Right? The passage is known by some as the golden chain of salvation. And that is the title of the sermon. The golden chain of salvation. It is called a chain because it has five links to it. It is called golden because it's a precious, glorious, um, it's precious and glorious in its, in its worth, church. It isn't called the cheap chain, right? It isn't called the, uh, the, the fragile chain that could just break at any time. It's the golden chain, the sovereign golden chain, the powerful sovereign golden chain of redemption. A chain that, sometimes when we think about chains that can break if they're not cared for, but this golden chain is made by God, right? Think about that. It's made by God. It's designed in heaven, and it is for His children. So let's get to the passage, see what God has to say to us today about this golden chain of salvation. This is Romans 8, again, 29 through 30. I'll read the passage and then dive right into the message. The Bible says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So there it is. This is the word of the living God. Let me say a prayer. We need God, right, church? We need God to open up our hearts during this time. Father, help me decrease as you increase. Lord, uh, help us. Holy Spirit, convict our hearts, encourage us during this time. Help us see how glorious this golden chain of redemption is. Help us see that during the coronavirus, we as a church and individually, we have a salvation that cannot be broken. God, just uh, I pray, God, that this uh, sermon will be uh, encouragement and it will, it will work in our hearts. And God, I pray that you will bring, um, bring some unbelievers to this sermon and show them, convict them, and show them how glorious the salvation is, how glorious the gospel is, God, how glorious, how powerful, how loving, and how perfect your Son is, God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's start off with the first three words here. I want to start off with the first three words, and we know. You guys see that? And we know. Notice it doesn't say, we hope. We suspect, we have a good idea. It doesn't say that, right? Church, the Apostle Paul says, we know. He is so sure about what he's about to say. He's telling us a powerful and courage truth that we can stand on with assurance. Now let's see what we know. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. This is powerful, church. This is a powerful statement. For those who love God, and who loves God? All those who have repented and placed their faith and their trust in Christ alone for salvation, who are walking in repentance and faith. For those who love God, all things work together for good. So what is all things? What is all things here in this text? 
This is everything we face in life. This is everything we face in life, whether it's positive, whether it's negative, whether it's painful, whether it's pleasurable, whether it's danger, fear, uh, suffering, or even death. Amen? Even death. All things, church, means all things. All things. And the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is telling us today that all things, even the coronavirus, amen, this corona pandemic, God is working it out for good. But don't miss the next part for those who love God. So all this stuff, no matter what it is, is designed for the good of God's people and for the glory of God's majesty. The other question becomes, what is this good? The pastor says, works together for good. What is this good? Is suffering good in itself? Is danger good in itself? A couple of things to ask. Of course not. Right? Not in itself. Of course not. But God has a plan. The sovereign God of the universe has a plan that He's working out for the purpose of those who love God. And the answer of what this good is, what, what the end goal is in this text, is right here in verse 29. What is the good? What is the good, church? What is the good? Notice it says, in verse 29, For those He foreknew, He also predestined, to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. There it is, church. There it is. What a glorious truth. The good that God is working out is to be conformed to the image of his son. Who wants to be like Jesus Christ? Who wants to be like the Lord of glory? I know I do. If you're a Christian watching today, I know you do. Amen? And that's what God does with the suffering. That's what God's doing now. Even the ones that we know who are, who are suffering right now with the coronavirus. Those who are born again, God is using that for them to be conformed to the image of His Son. I guarantee our pastor, Pastor Chris, all these weeks, he is being more molded into the Lord that he so dearly loves. As hard it is for us to witness this of what's going on. I know that all is well with our pastor's soul at this time. But continue to pray, church. we got to continue to pray for God to do some healing here, right? Amen? We need our pastor back. We need our pastor back. Continue to pray. And we also need our other brothers and sisters to, to get well and, and continue to pray for the world. During this time, I know me and my brother uh, Nick were talking about that. Brother Nick, how sometimes our sin we we just we just care about those we love. We can't be like that, church. Not as Christians, Amen. We need God's Spirit to work in and through us, and we got to care for and pray for even even our enemies. So, back to the text. He's working something out to good, conforming us to His Son. What a powerful truth. And to Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, the only man, church, the only man who has ever lived a perfect life, the Son of God, fully God and fully man without sin, the epitome, 
of what love is. Amen? He is the epitome. He is what love is all about. Or what justice is. Or what, what kindness is. What mercy is. What holiness is. This is our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what my soul wants. I want to be like Christ. Do you want to be like Christ? This is the Christian desire to be like Christ and to be in close communion with God for all eternity. Notice the apostle says, conform to the image of Christ so that he, meaning Jesus, be the firstborn among many brothers. Firstborn among many brothers. This means that Jesus is supreme and exalted over all and he's going to be with us one day. He's going to be with us one day in final glory. Church, the ultimate purpose God has for us to, in Christ is to be conformed to the image of Christ. This is so awesome, church, to know in our hearts that as Christians we groan, right? Especially right now, especially what we're going through right now, we groan to get this tendency, this tendency to sin off of us. Even now is sometimes we're praying selfishly, um, tempted to have fear, to, to be anxious. We feel that sin. We just want to shake it off of us. We want to live in a more mature, complete way for the glory of God. And if that's your reality, that is not because you are so great. That is not because you are so humble and, and you grew up in the church. It, it, that is proof. That God is working in and through you. And God's word promises us, church, it promises us that this is our destination. This is our destination. Did you hear that? Our destination. We can know, just like Paul said in the beginning, right? We can know. God promises us where this Christian path, where this suffering during this time will take us. And remember how the passage started. It says, we will know. We know. We know. And now, what did God just say in verse 29? He said, before he said we would be conformed to the image of his son, he said, what does he say? He says, for those he foreknew, he also predestined. This is where the golden chain gets forged, church. This is where this powerful, sovereign golden chain gets forged. These are the first two links in the chain. And church, they start in eternity past. Make no mistake about it. They start in eternity past. How awesome is that? Right? We say that a lot. Before the foundation of the world, God chose us. God starts His plan of salvation before the foundation of the world. Let's look and fix our eyes on this, this first link in the chain here. The word foreknew, Paul said, for those God foreknew. I will tell you what Paul is not saying here, okay? He isn't saying that God merely knew beforehand, or he, he, he knew that salvation would happen, or he looked through the quarters of time. That's not what it's saying here. We know that God does not take in knowledge. God is sovereign. He's all-knowing. It's better than that, church. I know some Christians believe that's what he's saying, but it's so much better than that. It's so much greater than that. It's so much glorious than that. What the Apostle Paul is saying here is that God knew. Why? Because He ordained it. Because He ordained it. The God of glory decreed it. He sovereignly planned it. This is a powerfully gracious God we have, church. I love how John MacArthur comments on this word for new. He says this. 
Quote, This is not a reference to God's omniscience that in eternity past He knew who would come to Christ. Rather, it speaks of a predetermined choice to set His love on us and establish an intimate relationship or His election. This is powerful. This is so powerful, church. How humbling is this? That God would, would know us, would place His intimate, sovereign, saving love on you before the foundation of the world. We are confident in this church that God has placed His intimate love on us before the foundation of the world to save us, to bring us to completion in Christ. We know that, that, that this is what this first word in the link for no means because the word no connected to foreknowledge is used this way all throughout the Bible, church. Let me give you a couple examples of this. The Bible says in Amos 3.2, quote, You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Church, God is talking to Israel here. Do you really think he's saying, you Israel are the only ones I, that I know of? Right? In the whole world. No, of course not. God knows everything. God knows everybody. The word no means God's sovereign choice or election or of Israel as the object of his loving concern. We also see in Genesis 4.1, it says that Adam knew Eve, his wife, you see that? Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain's, conceived and bore Cain. So right here it says that, that means that Adam knew Eve in the deepest, most loving, most personal and intimate way. Amen? So we take that word no with the prefix for in front of it, and we see this first link this first link in the chain means God placed His intimate love on us before the foundation of the world. This is such a glorious truth. I hope you guys are encouraged in this passage. I know I am. I know I am. Amen? When you apply this to salvation, church, to say that God foreknew you means that God foreloved you. God foreloved you. He not only knew you before you were born, He loved you before you were born. Before the world was created. He not only knew He was going to create you, He knew He was going to love you. He knew He was going to adopt you. He knew He was going to bring you out of the world into His kingdom. He knew that He would raise you up on the last day. And He knew that when you do die, when, when, when your life ends, when He takes you from this earth, you will be with Him. As the Bible says, to be absent with the body, be present with the Lord. And we know our brother Greg right now, right? Our brother Greg Wachowski is experiencing that right now. God loved him before the foundation of the world. Saved him, elected him by His grace, church. Oh, God is so good. So, He knew He was going to save us. He loved us. He chose us before we chose Him. He sought us before we sought Him out. Church, the bottom line, it all began with God. 
It all began with God. Salvation is of the Lord, as Jonah says. God was and is the author and perfecter of our salvation. Notice the verse also says that God predestined. It says, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Church, this word predestined is the second link. It's the second link of that chain, that powerful chain that can't be broken. Do you see how those concepts are linked together? Think about it. Since, so since God predestined, right, means God determines, okay? God determines beforehand. That's what that word means, to determine beforehand. So God is saying he ordained to place his saving, intimate love on you. And this plan is a matter of destiny. This plan is fixed in the heavens, church. Ephesians 1 says this. This is such an amazing passage, church. Ephesians 1 says, He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, as well as God predestined to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. Church, it is clear through Scripture that we do not choose God. He chooses us. And this should not be a surprise, as we saw in Romans a few weeks ago, that we don't seek God. We don't fear God. None of us are righteous, right? We, we, we can't do anything good. So of course He has to chase us down. If you're a Christian today, it is because God chose you to save you, to display His sovereign grace and mercy to the whole world. It says, Ephesians 2 says, that, that we are saved to be His workmanship, to be like these, these trophies that are displayed to the universe to show how not how great we are, not how humble we are, not how loving we are, but how glorious He is. Amen? So, if you are trusting in Christ today, alone, fix your eyes on this Jesus. Fix your eyes on God today. When you're suffering, when, when you're going through a temptation to, to worry, or maybe think the worst, or just, just fix your eyes on Christ. Understand that you are part of this golden chain that cannot be broken by God. I'm telling you, church, today, with the authority of God's word, that God loved you so much before the foundation of the world that he planned and decreed that he will save you from your sins and death and give you eternal life. What can man do to us? Amen? What can the coronavirus do to God's people? <laughs> hmm. Church, Satan... Your flesh cannot thwart God's sovereign promises. No one will snatch you out of God's hand. I hope you believe that. I hope you believe that. I hope that gives you much encouragement during this time. Church, let God be true and every man a liar. Amen? So those, those first two links in the golden, precious, sovereign, powerful chain of salvation. So now we go to the present. The first two are eternity past. We go to the present. To human history. 
So the first two links were forged long before we're even born. Amen? Now we come to the next two links that God forged while we're living. This is something He does in our present day. Now verse 30 brings us to the next link, which is formed in the world. Notice verse 30. Verse 30. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those He predestined, He also called. How awesome is this, church? So there it is, the third link, called. This is where God starts carrying out the plan of salvation. There's a powerful, divine, internal call that theologians call the effectual call. And it creates, make no mistake about it, church, it creates what it commands. God draws the person to himself. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, no one can come to me. Unless what? The Father draws him. Amen. There's no greater illustration of this church than Jesus. His uh, calling of Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha. We talked about this a few, I think it was last week. Brother Nick brought it up. Uh, how It's part of that context where Jesus wept. Amen. I think I brought it up in the beginning of the sermon a couple weeks ago. Um... Yeah, so Mary and Martha, Lazarus died four days before Jesus came to call him out of the tomb and to bring him back to life. But here's the question. Here's the question I want to ask. What had to happen to Lazarus before he came out of the tomb? Think about it. What had to happen to him before he came out? Something had to happen there. Remember, he's dead for four days. Amen? What had to happen? <laughs> He had to come alive. Amen? He can't walk out of a tomb unless he's brought to life. Jesus called out, Lazarus, come forth. And he did just that, church. He resurrected and walked out of the tomb. For the same God who originally called the creation out of nothing, called life out of death. And this is what, what he does to spiritually dead sinners. Amen? This is what he does the spiritually dead sinners. This is what he, he did to me. Like nine years ago when I was saved. If you're saved, he did this to you. He gives you a new heart. It's part of that doctrine of uh, regeneration. This is, this is what Jesus himself refers to, to being born again. Doctrine of regeneration, to be born again. This is how God calls those who he has foreknown and predestined for salvation. So you see that progression. Amen? That progression. Are you noticing how this chain is linked? Are you noticing how it's linked together? God is carrying out the whole plan of salvation. Think about it. It's not a man-centered chain. Salvation is not man-centered. It is all God. It's not even 99% God and 1% man. If that's true, if you think that's what salvation is, that's a false gospel. It's all God. God foreknew. God predestined. God called. Amen? It's the sovereign Lord God who decrees the end from the beginning. It's the sovereign Lord God who puts this chain together and keeps this chain together, church. Now back to the passage, uh, Still in verse 30. Notice it says, For those whom he called, 
He also justified. Now we should be familiar with this, right? We've been talking about this word the past few weeks. We were in Romans, the doctrine of justification by faith alone. We're going to be in that doctrine. We're going to be discussing that doctrine for a while, another uh, month or so. So this is the doctrine of justification by faith alone. This is a very, as you guys have already heard and you've been learning that, you've been reminded of, this is a powerful doctrine. This is at the heart of the gospel, this doctrine. A very vital, important, powerful doctrine. It basically means to be declared righteous. That's what that word means, justified. To be declared righteous in God's sight. When God calls you, Okay, When God calls you and He gives you new spiritual life and you repent and you trust in Christ alone for salvation, God, as the sovereign divine judge, legally, is a legal term, legally declares you righteous. Because the atonement of Christ is credited to your account in all your sins, past, present, future, Jesus took upon Himself on the cross. I'm going to be talking about this a lot in a sermon Sunday about this uh, doctrine of, uh, it's actually called the imputation, the doctrine of imputation, namely double imputation of what I just said. All your sins go to Christ, amen, and then his perfect life is credited to your account. It's a legal de declaration from the judge of the universe. <laughs> oh, what can man do to us, huh? How can God do that? One word. Anybody know what it is? Take a guess. How can God do this? One word. Grace. As Pastor Chris likes to say, grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. God's amazing grace. This is why we say Christ is our substitute. Amen? He lived the life we failed to live and died the death we deserve. 2 Corinthians describes this perfectly in the Bible. It says in 2 Corinthians 2, 5, 21, For He made Him, meaning Christ, God made Christ, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. So that's the fourth link. Now we come to our last link, the last link at the end of verse 30. So far we can praise God for this wonderful, precious truth that God has chosen us to a glorious destination, given us new life, and declared us righteous. And now the last link is glorification. The doctrine of glorification. Remember the first two links, they happen in eternity past, amen? Right? Before the foundation of the world, the foundation of the world, God presented, predestined us to place His intimate, saving love on us. Then by the Holy Spirit, God reached down. He reached down here, and now He, to make salvation a reality, right? By calling us out of spiritual death into a saving relationship with God through the person of Jesus Christ. You're not guilty in His sight. He declares you not guilty. There's so many other things that happen, so many other doctrines that are in that, that, that we will learn through Romans. And now, the last link, church, the last link to this precious, powerful, golden chain of salvation. And this talks, and it, it, Paul talks about here, the future of our salvation. This is the fifth and final link of the chain, 
And it's in regards to what will happen in the future. Notice the verse says, And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Again, it's all God doing it, right? He also glorified. So what does this mean to be glorified? Remember, verse 21, 29 said that believers are predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brothers. This is the culmination of that. Right here. The day will come. The day will come when we will follow our Lord in his resurrection and we will be raised with new glorified bodies. So he's not even talking about absence with the body present with the Lord right here. Doctrine of glorification is end times. This is when Jesus comes back. This is the doctrine of glorification. Where God's final removal of sin from true believers in the eternal glory. Charles Spurgeon says it this way. Instead of being mortals burdened with, burdened with sin nature, we will be changed into holy immortals with direct and unhindered access to God's presence. And we will enjoy holy communion with Him throughout eternity. Throughout eternity. We talk about fixing our eyes on eternal things, like I mentioned in the beginning of the sermon. We got that from Colossians. Think about it, church. This is our future. We're in the, the coronavirus right now, this pandemic. We don't know what's going to happen. We know so many things for sure, though. And that is one of them. That is a promise. This is a chain that nobody can break, church. Church, this is what happens to all true Christians on the last day. All true Christians. The Bible says Jesus is the first resurrected from the dead in a glorified body. He's called the first fruits of creation. Our being conformed to Christ will finally be complete and mature one day. And church, it's not something that we, again, it's not something that we hope will happen. Amen? It's not something that we just kind of have this blind faith about. This is fixed in eternity. Church, this is, what hap- this is what's going to happen. We don't know when. Amen? We don't know when. But this will happen. And we can have so much joy looking to that, thinking about that, meditating on that final day. So, in closing, we're coming to the end. It is stated, we notice this word glorified. It's stated in the past tense. I don't know if you guys noticed that. All these words are in the past tense because there's a reason why. Stephen Lawson says that it's stated in the past tense because this work is as good as done. Amen? It's as this. As if it's already done. This, the inauguration began, and at the return of our Lord, it will be brought to fruition. So the golden chain is made, church. The golden chain has been done from God's perspective. We walk through all five links today. We've walked through all these links. God foreknew. God predestined. God called. God justified. And God will glorify us on the last day. Now for application purposes, church, I'd like to show three powerful truths about this golden chain of salvation. Maybe you guys already have 
come up with this as a conclusion to this doctrine, maybe you're already thinking about it, there's three truths that, that you can take with you today that will help you in your walk with Christ during these difficult times. Number one, church, this golden chain cannot be broken. I think I said that over and over again. This golden chain cannot be broken. We sometimes hear people say, oh, you can lose salvation. No, you cannot lose salvation. Can a Christian walk away from God? Yes. Right? Can, can a Christian, somebody who grew up in a church or somebody who professes to be a Christian, all of a sudden walk away or, as some people say, lose salvation? Yes. But we know that true Christians... Those whom God loved before the foundation of the world, the Bible calls us the elect, they can't lose salvation. Because this salvation is not ours to lose. Amen? It is God's salvation. God is doing something. God has a purpose in your life as a Christian. What a powerful truth. What a powerful truth. God has decreed, decreed this salvation for His glory. We are just... We're just recipients of it. Amen? Don't forget that. Don't. Sometimes we think salvation is, is uh, primarily about us. Now think about it. If we think it's about us, then we're scratching our heads right now. If it's about me, why would he have my loved one sick? Right? If it's about me, I love church. Why? I can't go to church now. I can't gather together. It's not about us. It's about God. It's about God's glory. God is being glorified in this virus. Make no mistake about it. Make no mistake about it. Notice all the verbs in the passage. I mentioned it a little earlier. They're all past tense. Foreknew, predestined, called, justified, glorified. Right? They're all fixed into heaven, decreed by God to be carried through as if as Christians have already been glorified. <laughs> this is so... This chain is eternally secure, created as a display for God's glory to all creation, friends. When God decides to save someone, He sovereignly carries it out. Jonah 2.9, salvation is of the Lord. Dr. R.C. Sproul once said, The five links in this golden chain are meant to give you one thing. You ready? Complete assurance of your salvation. Amen. Second thing we see from this passage is this golden chain, church, is a weapon. This golden chain is a weapon to fight the enemy of sin, to fight the enemy of suffering, to fight the enemy of depression, to fight the enemy of anxiety or worry. We can stand firm. We can stand firm, church, in our faith through suffering because of this chain, because of these promises. We don't have to complain. We don't have to grumble. We don't have to doubt God's love for us. We were reminded today that God works all things together for good. And we also saw that our suffering has a purpose. Amen? That our suffering has a purpose and it is to be conformed to the image of Christ. To be conformed to the image of Christ. Just like Christ, we will experience glory after the cross. Just like Christ, we will experience glory after the cross. 
the calm after the storm, right? Light after darkness, if you will. And of course, life after death. Amen? If you're going through difficult times, <laughs> church, and I know many of us are at this time, difficult times, circum these circumstances can be very challenging. We have been so spoiled, so spoiled. In America, living where we're at, we're not used to this, right? This is tough. But here's the thing. This chain can give us hope. These, this, this powerful chain of redemption can give us hope. That's why I think God placed it on my heart for me to preach from this. I was going to preach from Philippians about, um, you know, a couple ways that God, that we can fight anxiety. Maybe I'll preach that another time, but I, I just felt so compelled to preach on this. This will give us hope. God will not be defeated. He will not be defeated in your life. He will not be defeated. God will finish what He starts in your life, church. As this passage tells us, God is working everything out. He's working it all out for your salvation, for your redemption, for His glory. For His glory. What's the chief end of man? Does anybody remember? The chief end of man is to glorify God. And don't miss that last part. And enjoy Him forever. Or as John Piper says, glorify God by enjoying Him forever. We can have joy during this, these times even. I'm not saying joy is happiness, right? But we can have that joy. Like James says, count it all joy. We, we count it. It's a mathematical term. We are looking at everything from eternal lens. Look at this passage. Have this be part of that mathematical thing that you're gathering up. God's sovereignty. God's love. All these things we learn in the Bible. And we can count it all. We can gather it up. And we can have joy. Amen? Amen. As this passage tells us, God is working everything else. So this is glorious news. This is great news. Because the Lord has us in His hand. The Lord has us in His hand. We can trust that He will work all this out for His purposes. When we grow discouraged with the lack of, maybe, the lack of holiness in our life, even we're not walking the way we would like during this time, we must remember that God is working it out in us. We can come to Him in repentance and faith. That He will finish what He started. This golden chain is a weapon. A weapon to fight the enemy. And then the third thing we see in this golden chain, it is dipped. This golden chain is dipped in the blood of the cross. Amen? This golden chain is dipped in the blood of the cross. Church, this chain does not exist. This chain is a weak chain, a fragile chain, a cheap chain. Without the cross, without Christ, without the cross, without His death on the cross without His resurrection that we will celebrate next Sunday. Church, for us to be saved, to be reconciled to God, we need a Savior. We need someone to take our place because we are sinners. Amen? We are totally depraved. Whereas my sermon said a few weeks back, all mankind's evil. We're all evil. In our nature. In our flesh. Even our best works are, are filthy. They're filthy rags, as Isaiah says, in, in God's sight. So what did God do, though? Our sovereign Lord, God, predestined something else. Right? We were on our way to hell. 
But he predestined something else. He planned in eternity past to send his son to live a perfect life and die a bloody death in our place. Acts 2.23 says, says it this way. Man was handed over to you. You see that? It's God. Uh, uh, man's responsibility there. That man... Uh, what, that, that, that Jesus was handed over by man, right? But it says, by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, this is still Acts 2, help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. By nailing him to the cross. This golden chain church is dipped with blood from the cross. So, this time when I say in closing, I mean in closing. <laughs> uh, so in closing, if you are watching and you're trusting in Christ plus the church for your salvation or Christ plus your baptism maybe, right? Christ plus your uh, Romans mentorship faithfulness. Christ plus sacraments. Anybody watching today? Maybe a Roman Catholic, and you're trusting Christ plus the sacraments, or, or some Protestants, uh, even trusting those, those sacraments, any of them. For for it's a dangerous place. If that is you, I gotta be honest with you. This chain, this chain's not for you. This chain is not for you. You might have a chain that you made up. I made up a chain years ago. I had my, my chain that was a, a fragile chain. I might have thought it was a, a strong chain, a, a sovereign, powerful chain. The truth is, it was always breaking. And if you have a religion that is not founded on the gospel of Jesus Christ, that chain is always going to break. That chain is always going to break. You're not going to have a foundation. You're not going to have a foundation. For Ephesians tells us that salvation is what? By grace. By grace, through faith. It's not your own doing. Paul said, it's a gift from God, not a result of works. And when Paul speaks, we know that this is God speaking through Paul. For all scripture is breathed out by God. So make no mistake about it. This is not my opinion. If you're trusting in Christ plus anything, this chain is not for you. So I plead with you. If this is you, I plead with you. I really do. My heart aches for you to know Christ. I plead with you to repent and trust in Christ alone. Alone for salvation today. And this invisible, divine, powerful, sovereign chain, you can place it around your neck as you walk away from this computer right now, right? If you're someone who has bowed the knee to King Jesus, though, this is you who... Have You have been circumcised by the heart, as Paul says in Romans uh, 2. If this is you and you have come to Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, by Scripture alone, for God's glory alone, then go rest, church. Go rest into, for the rest of the day, rest. And this chain, this bold chain, rest in Christ, rest in this redemption that He has given you, knowing that God had started something in you, and He will finish it. He will finish it.
Wrap this golden chain around your neck. Attach it to your heart, church. Attach it to your heart. And remember, this golden chain cannot be broken. This golden chain is a weapon to fight the enemy of your soul. And this golden chain is dipped in the blood of Christ, secure and precious to the glory of God, for the people of God. And this divine truth is from the Holy Word of God, church. Amen? So that's the sermon. I thank you guys so much. I see on the phone I'm new to this, but it looks like some people are watching here. It's so encouraging. Again, I love you guys. I'm excited about uh, continuing to pray with you all. And uh, just shoot me a text and let's continue to uh, pray for our brothers and sisters. We know who they are. Continue to pray without ceasing for them. We're very hopeful that God's going to do something remarkable. He's going to do something remarkable. And again, pray for God. Let's pray like the Lord Jesus, right? Let your will be done, God. So let me pray quickly before I go. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you so much, God. Uh, God, we, we, we love you so much. We, we look at your passage today and we see that as we wonder sometimes what you're doing and sometimes we wonder, are, you, are, you, are we close to the end? We can see in this passage that our salvation is not dependent on ourselves. God, we see that you loved us before the foundation of the world. And there's nothing that we did for you to love us. It was all your grace. And we know, God, that you will finish what you started. Help us, God. Father, I just pray, God, that you will help us take these glorious truths that we find in Scripture and we share them with the lost. Share them with those who do not know you, God. We know, God, through Scripture that that was the goal for Israel. That's our goal now that we have to be a light to the world. And God, we, we, we just pray that your, your name will be exalted through this coronavirus and continue to help us grow as, uh, as people of God and, and continue to uh, love each other more and more and love you more and more. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity. We know this prayer goes nowhere without you, for you're the only mediator between God and man. So God, I pray this prayer. In Jesus' powerful and beautiful name, amen.